Today on the Women Mind the Water podcast, I'm speaking with Cheryl Massey, a basket maker whose creations are rooted in the natural world of British Columbia. Every basket Cheryl makes is as unique as the color and texture of the plant material she collects. Cheryl's signature basket is made from kelp. The Women Made in the Water podcast engages artists in conversation about their work and explores their connection with the ocean. Through their stories, Women Mind the Water hopes to inspire and encourage action to protect the ocean and her creatures. I am very happy today to welcome Cheryl Massey to the Women Mind the Water Artivist Series podcast. Cheryl is a Canadian basket maker whose creations are produced with materials that she gathers from nature. Notable among the varied baskets she weaves are those created from whole kelp. Whole kelp is unusual because it can grow as much as two feet a day. And kelp is an unusual material to work with because it dries, changes as it dries. Welcome, Cheryl. Thank you for joining me on the Women Mind the Water podcast. I'm really looking forward to talking with you about your weaving. Many years ago, when I lived in California, I purchased a small basket made from kelp. I've always wondered about the work that went into making it. Decades later, I still have that kelp basket. It's delicate and brittle, yet it retains a magical quality. I think you may be a musician, not a musician, but a magician to create such works of art. Cheryl, I'd like to begin by asking you to tell me about how you became a basket maker. Is this something you taught yourself or did you acquire this skill from someone else? Well, I definitely took a basket weaving workshop to acquire the skill. But when I first had the urge to learn how to weave a basket, I was sitting on a beach on an island at the coast of BC. And this strong urge just possessed me. And so... And so I uh, just thought, you know what? Indigenous people, they wove baskets with material that nature provided them. So I just grabbed some grass, started fiddling around with it, and made some funny little bird's nest that was so tiny and small. (laughs) And I thought, okay, I definitely need to take a workshop or a class to learn how to weave a basket. And it actually took me a a full year to find, well, actually, it took me about six months to find a workshop that would appeal to me, that would resonate with me. And it was actually at Hollyhock Holistic Center, which is on Cortez Island, was right across the water from where I sat when I first had that urge. So the place where I learned how to weave baskets was just right in front of me. It was right there. So I learned from an American woman who had all this natural material. She had spruce root. She had tule rush. She had some kelp. She had, what else, willow um, branches. It was amazing. I was just like a kid in the candy shop. And I just took all that information. And it was like I grabbed the ball and I ran with it. And then it just opened up this whole world of looking around at nature. (gasps) What can I gather? What can I get? And I started learning and just a lot of trial and error. And I just told myself, there's no rules. I'm just going to do whatever I want. I did take some other workshops, one from a Haida weaver with cedar bark, and then another workshop from a very well, highly respected uh, weaver of willow. 
And I just adapted those techniques and just have used what resonates with me, what really turns me on. And I just go with it. Do the materials you gather dictate what kind of basket you actually end up making? Well, particularly with kelp. Kelp commands how it wants to, the result of the uh, finished form. So I had collected this one piece of kelp, and kelp has at the tip of it, when it's growing, like here, the bulb, there is the long frond. And usually when I've collected that in the past, it, it just crumbles and breaks. But this one particular piece of kelp, the blade never broke. It maintained its um, whole um, form. And I thought, oh, you're going to be something special one day. So I um, dried it out, stored it in a box. And then, I don't know, maybe about a couple of years later, I thought, then I had an insight to make a wall hanging. I was going to ask, that's bull kelp, because what we have in Maine does not look anything like that. I don't, yeah, I think the the kelp on the East Coast, I don't think you have the bull kelp that we have here on the West Coast. we don't, no. Yeah, it's, uh, kelp is in many different forms, many different species, but the kelp that I love to work with is here on the coast of BC, which makes it so abundant. Well, it used to be abundant, not quite so much anymore. So is there a particular time of year that's best for you to gather the kelp? Yes, spring and summer, because you need the sunshine, the wind, the heat to dry the kelp. I have tried a few times over the past and gather kelp in the fall, and it's just too cold, it's too wet, there's not enough heat. So you're just basically gathering compost for your garden. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Like I so say, are, let's trial and error. <laughs> yeah. Are some beaches better than others for collecting? Yes. And the best type of beaches for collecting are ones that are rocky and have like little round pebbles. Because if the, when the kelp washes up on a sandy beach, then all the little creatures from the sand start eating the kelp and it rots Ooh. very quickly. So a beach that has lots of round pebbles or rocks Then when the kelp, like, so in the springtime, we get these uh, storms and the kelp rips off the, the floor, the ocean floor, and then it washes up on the beach and then it gets all caught in nooks and crannies, logs and rocks, but sometimes it just washes up and it's just like easy to collect. And when it's on rocks, then it, the rocks actually help dry the kelp. And then it, um, and then you find like, like a piece like this. If you, when you find the kelp that's already dry, that's turned this beautiful golden color, it's so light. When you gather wet kelp, like kelp that's just freshly washed up the beach, it is so heavy because it has so much water in it. So my mind is blown. I thought you would work with wet kelp. So many people do. Yeah, it's so brittle brittle when it's dry. Yeah, so my mantra is gather, dry, soak, weave. Gather, Uh dry, soak, weave. Gather, dry, soak, weave. (laughs) All right, (laughs) so are there particular characteristics of the kelp that you are looking for? Yes, well, this kelp here still has the air inside it. And 
this type of kelp, if I can find kelp that has air inside it, this is the holy grail. This right here. Because it doesn't have any holes in it. It doesn't have, it hasn't been smashed. Or then I can make a kelp basket like this. Because the air is part of the form. Mm. So I can weave. This is called the coiling technique. Very right. ancient technique. And then I can weave a basket and it holds its form because of the air. Sometimes if I'm weaving this, and, and so all the kelp is, when I'm weaving, it's wet. I've soaked it in warm water, so it's just pliable like leather. Then it's perfect, and it's unbelievably strong. The indigenous people of this coast, they used to collect the kelp for um, the long skinny bits, and they would tie them together for their halibut line, and they would make like 500 meters of halibut line. Incredible. It's so unbelievably strong. But kelp is so much fun, like collecting on the beach. People say, oh, I remember that stuff as a kid. I would swing it around, and it's just so much fun. <laughs> a lot of kids use them for beer bongs. <laughs> like they cut the tops <laughs> off in the bottom, pour beer, and <laughs> chug All right. Well, let's get back to basket weight. <laughs> so obviously you collect it, it dries, you soak it, yeah, um, and then you work with it. Mm -hmm. But when the kelp is after as you start working with it and weave it together it will shrink as it dries so do you have yeah. to take that into account when you're weaving yes kelp like the these coiled baskets they they shrink a little bit but they their form they don't change that much however if i was to make um a kelp basket let me get this one here excuse me well, actually, this one, this was supposed, this is a lampshade. And when I wove it, it was, its form was different. Kelp takes on its own personality as it dries. It's like, I'm going to look like this, no matter how hard you try and manipulate me. It's just, it's just going to do what it wants to do. I try and sort of shape and mold it to what I want it to be, but it's like, Nice try, but it's just going to take on its own a life of itself, which is so cool. Because sometimes you just don't quite know exactly what you're going to get. Right, right. Always like a little surprise. So what other challenges are there to working with the kelp? Oh, well, it'll break. You'll get a rotten piece. That's why I have to be very selective when I do collect kelp, not to collect kelp that's rotten. And sometimes, like making this type of basket, you have to be so careful not to poke a hole in the, the kelp that has the air in it. Because as soon as you poke a hole, you're done. Really? Yeah. So it's like a balloon. Yeah. So kelp is, it's strong, but it's delicate. Yes. It's not, when someone wants a functional basket, I say then tule rush or cedar bark. Kelp, you can use it as a functional basket. It's, uh, you just have to make sure that, here, I'll show you one other one. Oops. So this one here, it actually belongs to a girlfriend of mine, so I'm just keeping it for her. But this one here, so there's no air in any of the kelp. 
it's been squished flat and it worked and it's like beautiful pieces of leather that you're working with. Mm-hmm. So this is actually quite a functional basket. You can store like wooden spoons in it or anything kind of tall. Maybe if you're serving breadsticks um, or even like dried flowers. Does it have a smell to it? Is it salty? Do you smell the oat? No. Okay. The only time it smells is when I'm weaving with it, when you get it wet. Mm -hmm. But it's like most things after time, like anything from nature, the essence, the smell slowly starts to uh, go away and I will with the kelp and with the cedar I'll brush a little bit of mineral oil just to bring out the luster give it a little protection and maybe once a year I I might just give it a little light brushing of mineral oil just to protect it and um, so it doesn't dry out and get too dusty okay so could you describe the process of weaving maybe discuss a particular basket you've made and for those who are listening to an audio-only podcast, version of the podcast, can you describe the basket? Well, if I was to weave a basket with the plating technique, like this one here, where it's like basically over, under, over, under, I call it the checkerboard weave. And I would decide on uh, the pieces of kelp that are already dried. I, and then I would put them in the bathtub of warm water. And wait for it to get pliable to like leather. You can't let it soak too long or else you'll just end up with mush. Like okay. it'll, it'll hydrate itself so much that it's just, uh, you have to let it dry out again. So once I have the kelp nice and pliable, and then I will choose my um, pieces. I'll uh, like, I'll have a pattern. So I'll cut them to like, some long pieces, some short pieces. And then I also will need some long skinny pieces of kelp. The, I call these my weavers. And then I will, sorry, motorcycle. And then I will have a form in my mind as to what I want it to look like. And then I will start with the base, the bottom, and then the sides go up and I weave kelp around as the sides go up and then I finish it with a border and then with kelp, let's say with a tall one like this, then for it to dry, I would have to turn it upside down and I usually will stuff it with newspapers and then probably put like maybe a a wine bottle or, or some type of jar. So then, so then as it dries, then the, 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 um, the form, it won't collapse. So are you telling me that the entire basket, like the one behind you, is made from kelp? Even the pieces that you use to thread it together are strips of kelp? It's 100% kelp. You are, uh, a, you are a magician. There's no question about it. <laughs> yeah. So right here. Oh, come here. So here are, this is long, skinny pieces mm. of kelp. And you can see here, so this one here, this is a, so this is a small piece of kelp. Like, you know, when the, when I get the big ones, oh, like one time I got, I found a piece of kelp that was, that still had the air inside it. And it had from the bulb to the hold fast. And I measured it on our lawn. It was 75 feet long. Wow. And it was a beauty. It was like, fantastic and I wove that into a coiled kelp basket and it was one piece I think I might have sent you the photo of it it was like this big 
It was magnificent. I've never, ever found a piece of kelp like that before. And I've had people say, oh, I want a basket like that. I have this one um, artist who saw that basket and he emailed me years ago. And it's like, I want a basket like that. I go, mm, buddy, that was a very unique piece of kelp. I don't know. I'll keep my eyes peeled and I'll see what I can do. But um, I haven't found a piece of kelp like that since. Mind you, <sighs> the kelp collecting has gotten to be less and less over the the past few years due to, I think it's climate change. Mm. And also just the disruption of nature. So what is the source of your inspiration for your creations? Oh, so I was asked to weave a wedding shawl for a a, fe- a friend of mine who was going to be like um, an ordained priest for a wedding. And he asked me to weave a shawl like how priests wear. And he wanted it to be woven out of cedar, kelp, whatever. And so I thought about it. And when, and I, I took a few days. And when I was actually on my stand-up paddleboard, lying on it, just floating, not doing anything. And just like, oh, so relaxed. And then the idea to weave it, the shawl, came to me. I wasn't thinking about it. It just, I just let whatever happened, happen. And the idea came to me and it was brilliant. And then I was like, let's go. Let's get this baby done. So you're really in touch with your environment. So let's get back uh, just to something you were saying that it's been harder to find kelp. Mm-hmm. Um, is it in abundance? And in size, have the beaches changed? Well, what has happened over the decades, the kelp beds have been disappearing over across all from California all the way up to BC and Alaska. And the disruption, what happened a long time ago was the otters got hunted to close to extinction and the otters eat the urchins. And when there was then there's an abundance of urchins and then the urchins will eat the kelp. So mother nature got disrupted. And then now we have global warming. The oceans are warming up. So I've noticed over the past 10 years, when I would go to the West coast of Vancouver Island to my, one of my favorite places to collect kelp, it's like, Hmm, not quite, quite so much kelp anymore. Sometimes I would get nothing. As most disappointing. There is still kelp out there. I just need to go further. I need to go to, 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 to explore other nooks and crannies. So I wonder if you might suggest some things that people can do to make a positive difference when it comes to the ocean. Oh, well, being on the ocean and going to all these different beaches that or areas that are nooks and crannies, I am, we, my husband and I are constantly picking up garbage, constantly. And it's a bit, it's a spit in the bucket, but just pick up garbage wherever you are. And also what we want to do is lobby for places where you can leave styrofoam, like huge pieces of styrofoam is such a problem. And also lobby the manufacturers of this material, plastic and styrofoam, which is choking our oceans and just become more aware and active and know that what we do to our oceans, we do to ourselves. 
-hmm. Thank you so much for being on the Women Mind the Water podcast. I'm really glad to have had a chance to talk with someone who is as inspired as you are by the ocean and creates such a unique and natural tribute to it. Thank you, Cheryl. Oh, well, thank you so much for this opportunity. I'd like to remind listeners that I've been speaking with Cheryl Massey for the Women Mind the Water podcast series. The series can be viewed on womenmindthewater.com. An audio-only version of this podcast is available on the Women Mind the Water website, on iTunes, and also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Women Mind the Water is grateful to Jane Rice for the song Women of Water. All rights for the Women Mind the Water name and logo belong to Pam Ferris Olson. This is Pam Ferris Olson.